Hello listeners everywhere. Welcome to the Archive of Audio Antiquities, a voyage into the vault of wonders on the wireless. In a moment, Simon Exton and Ken Moss will be here to speak to you. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Archive of Audio Antiquities. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. And today we're going to be looking at a series called Ectoplasm. Where do mysteries come from? Nobody knows. But they end here. This is England, and this magnificent pile is Bluebell End. It is the ancestral seat of the famous occult investigator, Lord Zimbabwe. His is the realm of the unknown, the field of twilight and the tenebral. He is a walker in the ether, a lord of the ectoplasm. Simon, what is this all about? One of my favourites. It is a BBC Radio science fiction comedy. Sadly, only four episodes of it were made, so Echoes of the Corridor people there. And it was written by Dan Freeman and Nick Romero, who were involved with Death Comes to Time, weren't they? They were, yes. It's the second sort of science fiction-y, time travel type radio comedy that they did. The first was one that was much more Doctor Who-oriented called Rootmasters. That's not quite as good as Ectoplasm. We will cover it at some point. Among the other regulars is Sophie Aldred, who plays the interchangeable female damsel in distress part each week. The regular characters are Victorian-era adventurer called Lord Zimbabwe, his scientist and fairly thinly disguised Nazi friend Dr Lilac, Schrodinger, their half-alive, half-dead cat, and Theremin, who's Lord Zimbabwe's butler, who is the most wonderfully rude and obnoxious butler imaginable. There are only four episodes of this. They're all half hours. And they all follow a fairly similar theme in that Sophie Aldred's character of the week turns up at Lord Zimbabwe's house and they have, there are a couple of set pieces where she will introduce herself and info dump the plot. Always as a different character. Always as a different character. And then she and the three leads will head off and investigate that plot. Good day to you, Doctor. How goes your industry at the coalface of scientific endeavour? Please, please, your lordship, you must be quiet. You arrive at a very important juncture. I have for three days, 22 hours and three seconds towards this moment been working. Ah, a Herculean effort. But work, my dear Doctor, is like pornography. It's always better with an end in sight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just about to test the solution I have perfected on this guinea pig. Pig just speak. My dear doctor, bravo! You've done it. You've perfected the formula for scouts. This is correct. It works. Observe the over familiarity. Ah, it's all there. The irritating chirpiness, the cheeky bonhomie, a magnificent achievement. You are too kind, but I must say that I believe this represents a seminal scientific and probably for the human race very important. Schweinhund, come back with the gramophone! Yes, Ah, extraordinary. My compliments, Doctor. You've turned a household guinea pig into a thieving scally. This almost parallels your Jewish bees. The first episode involves 
Sophie Aldred turning up as an Egyptologist who has accidentally cursed herself unearthing a tomb, so they have to travel back to ancient Egypt to undo the curse. The jokes are utterly puerile and very <laughs> carry-on. So Lord Zimbabwe's house is called Bluebell End. They travel back to the pharaoh, who is Tutankhamun, the tacky pharaoh. The god they invoke by mistake is Cockrack, god of cravats. It's all very, very silly and incredibly entertaining. I love this. I think it's absolutely hilarious. I can listen to it over and over and over again and howl with laughter. I can't say as I was blown away by it, but there were a few genuinely laugh-out-loud moments, uh, particularly episode four, which I know that you are not mad keen on. It's my least favourite, but I can understand why somebody as jingoistic as you would like it. Because it's the the case of the stupid ignorant American. Jingoistic. I've been called many things. Yeah, it was. Yeah. All, there are some right. things that run through it, which I did find amusing. Schrodinger, the cat, <laughs> he is translated by Dr. Lilac, and it's always something completely filthy when he meows. That Dr. Lilac doesn't understand what he's talking about. What, what do you mean, Schrodinger? Where are the clams? Why do they have beards? <laughs> Dr. Lilac, actually, it always makes me laugh because he'll go off, he'll get really enthusiastic about whatever scientific project he's on about or some scheme that he's got in all innocence. And then all of a sudden, he'll start slowly ramping up and ramping up the enthusiasm and Deutschland Uber Alice will start playing underneath it until he gets cut off. And when you listen to that as an idea, it just sounds horrific and insensitive, but it's incredibly well done. And kind of reminded me of that Night Terrace episode with all the Hitlers. (laughs) And you start listening to that and think, oh God, this is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. Actually, this is really funny. It is. There's another, again, This I think this happens in every episode. Somebody invariably says to Lord Zimbabwe, it's a long story. And he always turns around and says, oh, well, never mind them. Some other time. And I don't know why. I just found that absolutely hilarious, the way it's delivered. And when Dr. Lilac goes on about his scientific explanation, he sends them all to sleep. And <laughs> when, he's, when he's offering the new Sophie Aldred character refreshments, it's always something ridiculous like space dust. And there are lots of lovely, lovely little set pieces in it like that. I've, in, I've introduced a lot of people to, to ectoplasm who are fans of radio comedy and just find it absolutely hilarious. And I'm not particularly disappointed it didn't go beyond four episodes because each of those four episodes is a gem, even though I'm not as keen on episode four, which is where you get an American version of the team who are simultaneously much more annoying and ostensibly more competent, but not actually any more competent than the British team. The humour in that just comes across as a little bit forced. Whereas before that, when you've got ancient Egypt, when you've got the Agatha Christie Orient Express thing, where they're they're trying to work out the murderer by, is it by Ouija board they use? And uh, Mm. he says, wherever the placket spinner points at is the murderer. And Theron just says, well done, sir, arrest that wardrobe. (laughs) But it does actually turn out to be the wardrobe that's the murderer. It is just off the wall and hilarious. Story-wise, they're not amazing, but the actual set pieces, I do, they're just flashes of lovely little moments to make you laugh. The story is there to give the characters something to do. Yes. And you've got little set pieces like they they go to hell and they have to deal with the Furies and they go back in time with the Egyptians and there's a whole load of Egyptian mythology. And actually one of my favourite jokes in the series is in the Egyptian one where they're trying to work out how to get through the underworld and they passed all the, the gates. And Lord Zimbabwe says, 
we've got to get to Tuat. How do we do that? And Theremin just turned around and said, well, the normal way is dinner and flowers. It's just schoolboy, puerile humour of the sort of thing that kept us watching Carry On films for years and years and years. And I, I absolutely love it. Running through it, there are Doctor Who undertones. They're very, very subtle, mm. but they are in there. In fact, I think in episode one, there is actually part of the TARDIS sound effect at some point. But Dan Friedman, who did The Sublime, Death Comes to Time, I'm a big fan of that. Which we will be covering on this podcast at some point, because I'm a big fan of it as well. That's how to do Doctor Who on audio. That's really very good. But obviously, Sophie Aldred's in it. I can't remember now what it was that leapt out, but peppered through our little Doctor Whoisms and little nods. They're so subtle that blinking you've missed it, but you can tell that the Doctor Who fans that have written it. Yes, and it's the sort of thing where anybody who's a fan of something like Night Terrace would find this entertaining. Oh, I would agree, yes. I mean, we're, we're about due for Night Terror Season 3, aren't we? Which I cannot wait for. We are. Yeah, they've, I think they've recorded in February. And with something like that, I can't imagine it takes an awful long time. The post-production I, I think there was talk about it being sort of a summertime release. I know that they've had to push back their recording because they wanted more time to get the script right. Well, so there's lots any, of other radio comedies to mind. I know that you're a big fan of Cabin Pressure and... Uh, what was the And some of the old stuff. Um, Parsley Sidings, The Navy Lark. I love Round the Horn. Do you know, I don't think I've ever listened to Round the Horn. It's how Round the Archives got their name. Oh, is that where that's from? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Because when they first started, a lot of the little skits were, were very Ken reminiscent Horn. of Round the Horn. Right. I'll have to lend you some. It's great fun. Really entertaining. And of course, I mean, the thing I cut my teeth on is... I'm sorry, I'll read that again. Oh, with Barry Cryer, is that? No, it was David Frost, Graham Garden, Bill Oddie, Tim Brooke Taylor... Joe Kendall and John Cleese. Right. Barry Cryer was, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue, which was the the game show that kind of spun off from that. Ah, right. Oh, radio, we've got so much archive to mine. What's coming up next is the BBC audio CD of Doctor Who the Savages, which I'm a huge fan of. I know you're a little bit less keen on, and hopefully on re-listening, we'll realise the error of your way. <laughs> I hope so. I've only heard The Savages once, so it's worth giving it a revisit. It's one of those Doctor Who stories that I've listened to. It didn't blow me away on first impression, and therefore I've never really gone back to it. It's another Highlanders for me, but... But well, we had that with Gridlock when the randomizer in Next Moss Experiment landed on Gridlock and the God Complex, and they were both brilliant. Yeah, and I think the same for me is going to be true with Ectoplasm. Now, I've listened to all four of them once, and I think I went back largely because the CD looped on itself. I heard episode four again and enjoyed it much more the second time around. As with a lot of things on radio, there were things that I missed. And Ectoplasm certainly improves on re-listening. Because you know a lot more about archive stuff than I do. I, a lot of this has passed me by. I'm aware of it, but I've not actually uh, um, been exposed ar- to it. Archive radio, my knowledge is patchy. And certainly things like The Archers, you know vastly more mm. about than I do. See, I I wouldn't expect you to listen to 70 Years with The Archers for one of these. So I, I won't be doing that. But what I would do is listen to half a dozen selected episodes and tell you what I think particularly if you've got one with Paula in. I might do, actually, yes. Oh, no, it's not. I think it's his Anne Churchman. No, it would need to be Paula. Yeah, I don't know whether there's any of those episodes. We're talking here about Paula from Quatermass 2, who is the most RP Monica Gray ever committed to any form of recorded media. And she played the original Grace Archer 
who she died in a fire, a terrible fire in a barn. But by that point, she was played by San Churchman. It was Alpha Centauri. She was. It all loops back to Doctor Who with us. When Doctor Who was still good, the claws are out. You're just bitter about the timeless child, children, whatever the fuck it was. I am very, very bitter. So this is where the warm, loving comfort of the archives, both TV and radio, washes away the stain of... Oh, Chris Chibnall. Breathe, take gin. We've gone around the houses. That was ectoplasm. And I can recommend it, actually. As I say, the story-wise, not brilliant, but just as a collection of set pieces and little witty bits of dialogue. But the stories are there to hang the characters off, and the wonderful and slightly effete and fairly useless Lord Zimbabwe with the ego the size of a planet, and then the the ranting and almost spectrum Dr. Lilac, and the, <laughs> the wonderfully rude theremin. But it's the way it's done. The characters, as we're describing them, don't actually sound that appealing. Hang them all together, and the little set pieces that they do. It's marvellous stuff, really. And it's worth re-listening to. Yes, I I mean, I have this on my MP3 player and listen to it quite often when I'm driving around. Because with working in Hull and living in Stoke-on-Trent, I do quite a lot of driving each week. And Ectoplasm is one that I listen to quite regularly. This is the song that never ends. it goes on and on, my friends. In in terms of earworms, um... Oh, for me, it's a clean five. Oh, no, I wouldn't go that far. I enjoyed it, but I wasn't blown away by it, even on re-listening. I'd give it a solid three. It's definitely worth my time, but it's not something I would eulogise about. And it did make me laugh out loud, which not an awful lot of stuff that I watch or listen to does. I might find it funny, but it doesn't actually make me laugh. This did. If it's laugh out loud, is that purely average, i.e. three, or...? It might be worth a four. Go on, you've convinced me, though. I shall give it a four. No, I'm not bumping it up to five. You're waiting expectantly. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, I, I can see the motivation behind a four. I mean, you're wrong. As I frequently am. This isn't news, but I can see the motivation. And on that note... more gin. Oh, no, on that note, we have our final regular segment, which is our podcast recommendation. Every episode, we recommend a, a podcast that... Let's be honest about this. I recommend a podcast because I listen to lots of different podcasts mm. and you just listen to the Exeter Moss experiment over and over again, <laughs> which shows that I do quantity and you do quality. I spend so much time editing that I don't really have time for any other podcasts. But yes, what is your recommendation this week? Yes, because I keep you chained to an editing desk. I am. And I love it. Okay. That didn't sound dodgy in the slightest. <laughs> so my recommendation for this, this time around fits in quite nicely with the whole historical humor thing. And it's a comedy history podcast by two very entertaining young women in Edinburgh called Everything is Awful Forever. And they do wonderful and quite drunken looks at particularly bits of Victorian history that were just fairly horrible. So they'll look at things like the life of chimney sweeps and Bedlam and Salem witch trials and the history of cannibalism and all fairly graphic and unpleasant stuff. But because I suspect they've had a drink or two before they 
well, I don't suspect they talk about it in the podcast. It's very lighthearted. It is incredibly entertaining and well worth a listen. So that is Everything is Awful Forever. Splendid. I will give it a listen. Because every time you've recommended one, it's been well worth hunting down. You see, you should listen to what I say more often. I do. The last one that you recommended, I think, was during our last recording session when you were here. When we weren't oh, doing this remotely. Binge, binge listen to over about the next week, almost without sleeping. Yes. Right. Okay. Everything is awful forever is well worth a listen. Well, you know how much I like history. So that sounds very much up my street. Good one to start with. Their Bedlam one is, is very entertaining. Actually, the Chimney Sweeps one, for all it's a horrible subject, it's a very entertaining listen. Mm, Victorian Chimney Sweeps sending the children up. We have some black periods of history. Not always covered ourselves in glory as a nation. Mm. We'll not discuss this because your St. George-itis will link to the <laughs> before, and then I, I will have to remind you that he's actually Syrian and just get Turkish, the yes. There. And it's a nice metaphor, that's all. As Al Murray once thing. put it, he beat the shit out of somebody to impress a bird. Can't get more English than that. <laughs> that's no. silenced you. I was more thinking, do I comment on the fact that Tommy Robinson's just been arrested for assault again? Don't, don't even don't bring Tommy Robinson into it. Just because I periodically wave the patriotic flag doesn't mean that I'm an EDL supporter. No, just the Brexit party. Oh, here we go. Let's not bring politics into the podcast. We we do shy yes, away from this. That's what the other podcast's for, where we do whole episodes on Brexit. <laughs> On that, we shall sign off. Thank you very much, as ever, for listening to us, whatever podcast you're listening to. We'll be back next time with Doctor Who the Savages. Until then, thank you for listening. Take care. And goodbye now. The Archive of Audio Antiquities featured Simon Exton and Ken Moss. And the announcer was Jenny at Blue Box 99. All featured soundtracks are the property of their respective producers, and no infringement of copyright is intended. Title music was by Edward White, and the programme was produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.